0: And it's very easy, it's just we'll hold it in short-term, medium-term and long-term money flows in tax-efficient silos uh, to basically create intergenerational wealth.
1: You yeah, know, you can have the best tools in the hands of a bad craftsman, yeah. or average tools in the hands of an amazing craftsman. It's
0: down to how you use those tools. And I think AI is a tool, it's not a craftsman. Our culture inside is always to think bigger and do things different to what the competition would do, or to what, oh, I hate the word ordinary people, but what the majority of people would do within any
1: particular sector. Whereas to me, if I can have that kind of work ethic, that guttural drive, that desire to be different, and I can overlay that with education, you become unstoppable. Welcome back to another episode of Success is a System. I'm joined today by Richie Collins all the way over from Ireland, and uh, we're talking about wealth. And the reason we're talking about wealth is that Richie runs a conference twice a year called the Wealth Summit, as well as Walfred Private Financial. And I want to talk about that because it's not just about making money, it's about keeping money. It's about making money smart rather than always just working hard. Uh, and that's what Richie does. That's what Richie has does. That's what he advises on. And he gets great speakers. The likes of Stephen Bartlett will be going to his next uh, Wealth Summit. Um, and I want to talk all things financial. So firstly, Richie,
0: welcome. And, thanks for, uh, thanks us, for flying over. Thanks for having us. Uh, I know I was delayed, but thanks for having me. We're here in the end. And um, yes, yeah, so I reached out to Mike uh, early on uh, in At the start of the summer there, uh, just I've seen some of his content on uh, social channels and I just thought it was brilliant. So as you mentioned, we have the Wealth Summit coming up uh, next uh, November. We just had one in May and Mike is going to come over because I think what he has can help business owners and entrepreneurs in Ireland to scale the way he has helped other people in the UK.
1: Thank you. Well, birds of a feather flock together. So, you know, I find that when you go to school, you don't just have one teacher. You have different teachers at a school because they'll all teach you different subjects. Some be good, some be bad. We're all good, of course. Yeah, but uh, uh, so I, I learn from everyone who comes on my podcast and I hope to give something back. We'll make sure that we put the link to the World Summit and to Wolfred Private on uh, the show notes. Lovely. So that will be there as well if anyone wants to follow up. Uh, And when we post it, we'll we'll make sure we got the date and the timing and the details and how people find out more. But let's go way, way back, because I always think that when people are looking to go into business, they might be full of uncertainty thinking "Um, I'm not good enough for business or. Uh, people like me don't do that or there's not enough opportunity. So I like to go back and let them see that people come from a really varied background. Tell me about Richie as a kid and, you know, brother, sister's family. Was it countryside? Was it urban?
0: Were, were you in the kind of straight A set of school? Tell us a bit more about yeah. you. So look, I had a very colorful uh, kind of background. I We bring it way back. I was born uh, hyperactive. <laughs> I couldn't eat certain foods. So E102, packet of Skittles, packet of Smarties, the poor mother and father were pulling me off the roof, trying to calm me down. So I think, like, as you said, everything happens at different stages of your life. I think it's that kind of, the way I see the world a little bit differently through kind of hyperactivity, maybe a bit of ADHD has helped me get to where I am because yeah. I never stop. I'm hyperactive, bang, bang, bang. Yeah. So my family background was very, very humble. Um my father was a tradesman. He got cancer at the age of 55 and uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He survived it. He was always big on education because he didn't come from a family of, let's call it silver spoon or privilege. Um, and he basically, uh, at 55, stopped his tradesman stuff and became a taxi driver.
1: Right.
0: And taxi, uh, I was just telling uh, Raf that dropped us on the way up there, um, Taxis back in Ireland at the time uh, were 200,000 euros a plate. My dad had five of them. He got them for free off my granddad, who was in with someone in the council back in the 60s. That's the way Ireland kind of works, and probably everywhere in the UK. Um, But my dad kept one of them for a rainy day um, and uh, gave four away to family members and whatnot. So he did that until he died at 75. And my mother just used to help out in the school, the local school. Mm -hmm. I have a brother, um, Eddie, who is now uh, COO of for Private and the Wealth Summit. Uh, He was a school principal, headmaster, used to deal with disadvantaged and, let's say, gangsters children in Dublin, Um, inner-city kids that were streetwise, didn't believe in education, but just believed in making money. Um, He had some awful things with kids dying and whatnot, and he got to an intersection, a crossroads in his career, and it was either get off the bus, um, the school bus, and get on to the kind of private commerce side of things. So he came in and became a director of Walford Private for me. Um, So I have a sister, Charlotte, who is a bank manager and another sister, Claudia, who is a school teacher. Again, in in another rough part of Dublin. So after school, um, I went to college. After college, I did account and finance there. I had a full-time job. Uh, Didn't really believe in the education side, but um, of it, my father, was big on education because he never had it. So yeah. was my mother. So I got great, uh, I got great school, and, and my father like he had all them encyclopedias. Remember before the internet at great. home, Britannia, yeah, 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 Britannica, yeah. whatever it's called. I still have nightmares of them on the the shelf. And um, so we were always thrown into them every Saturday and Sunday to do little home projects and whatnot. Yeah. And that kind of gave me the discipline, um, I believe. And um, so um, after the whole college thing, I became a holiday rep. So I went away. Um, I'd planned to go and conquer the world and live in a raft and all that kind of stuff, and that probably lasted about six weeks. Um, so I came back after that, and the mother threw the yellow pages at me. and uh, So get out of the bed, make a name for yourself. Um, so started off at A, and um, did finance, so I said, accountancy is probably the way to approach this uh, in the yellow pages. So rang four accountants and got three interviews um, and got offered two of the jobs. So I went off and did that um, for a short time. Um, they bring you in, they give you the shoebox uh, of receipts and you have to start the inputting it. And I went, hmm. But they offered me a, a, a professional uh, education path. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. off I went, did that for a couple of years. And then at the end of it, I was just like, what am I gonna do? So I got offered a job by a client to become financial controller. And I went, I'll have a bit of that. It's a little bit more commercially minded than just doing the number crunching.
1: Just, just, just to interspecialize, what, what was driving you at that time? Were, were you driven by money? Were you driven by success, recognition? What 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 were your, what was motivating you
0: to carry on down that financial accountancy route? Hyperactivity. <laughs>
1: right, just,
0: right. I got something. I hadn't mastered it. And I just said, I'm going to go with this. I probably still haven't mastered it, but I'm having a go at it, right? So um, what happened then is after the uh, accountants put me through a college thing, I said a client uh, offered me a job and that was great. I was getting to see the property side of things. It was uh, involved in the kind of, back in the Celtic Tiger we had in Ireland, it's where money was, you could get 150% mortgages if you knew the bank manager. and um, So money was available widely um, and everybody became a developer. So um, I got the job as a uh, financial controller and started uh, working on it wasn't just financial controller of the, the practice of the architects it was uh, putting deals together for the developers and the the uh, people that were around and um, the architect practice so really enjoyed that and then I got fed up with it and um, just purely because we were getting all the deals done wasn't happening quick enough I felt that things could be done a lot more efficiently, but the lads were older in their career and didn't have the same passion that a spotty-chinned young lad coming through uh, probably had, right? And um, So I went for accountancy jobs then again, right on the recommendation of a recruiter. Um, and what happened there was went for a couple of interviews with BDO, and um, franchise back in Ireland, um, and I got three red cards straight away for auditor jobs. Oh, really? So oh, I went, okay. obviously there's a clash of the brains there. and um, But when I uh shortly after i got approached by the same recruiter said look the guys have sold out of the BDO franchise and they're setting up a private wealth management company called wealth and property solutions and basically they're buying prime commercial real estate all around the world so we bought the likes of the boots flagship building in oxford street and um, uh, Dortmund. we were in berlin marmerhaus house um, and so uh, that's where we ended up and um, but they took me on anyway as investment manager just running simulations and cash flow analysis and it all comes back down to that cash flow. Could be a fancy building. Yeah, yeah. But it's just a spreadsheet. Money in, money out, profit.
1: Well, and the, and one of the things that uh, I don't know if you've ever heard on my podcast but I've said several times that the person I hated most in any business that I've run was the FD because yeah. they always told me what I couldn't do. Yeah. Uh, but the person I respected most and was always my number two was the FD because yeah. the numbers never lie. Yeah. You know, you might not like them and you might then have to go to the FD and say, okay, don't tell me I can't do it. Tell me how we could do it. Do yeah. me what we need to get to do it. But they never lie. And the business, you'll go bust because of lack of cash, not yeah. lack of opportunity. Yeah, you
0: know, 100%. It was like, yeah, and that's exactly what it was. So after lads so took me on as investment manager, then kind of moved up the ranks in there. And um, as I said, we're buying the prime commercial stuff, the kind of like big shopping centres, retail parks all around the world. And I finished up in Abu Dhabi around 07, just before crash the parachute was coming because one of the shareholders was a malaysian gentleman and um, who set up the video franchise back home and he had heard about these wins that were coming across well in advance of anybody in ireland did right yeah, or, yeah. because of his contacts out that way and um, so i got made redundant and um, i had only got the father lord of mercy and him gave me uh the deposit for the first apartment uh, as a uh if you bob off get yourself sorted and the first mortgage payment came in 07. I think it was the 7th of July, 07. It was due and then it was all in the papers that like the poo was hitting the fan, blah, 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 blah. I got made redundant. Um, so I bounced the first mortgage payment, the only thing I've ever uh, bounced. And then loan off mammy for number two uh, mortgage payment and then said, look, I have to do something here. So looked at me skills, a bit of a gob on me, right, i like to think. Um, I've technically love. What I do, right, um, and back then I hadn't done all the wealth management exams, but I knew I could pivot very quickly, um, and I loved helping people and adding value. So if you put them together, you have a business or you have something to, to work for, maybe the opportunity for a job or else go out do it your way um, from in a more, how would I say it, in a more fresher type of approach than the old accountancy um, yeah. stigmatism. I mean, went. that's
1: something that jumps out really that you don't look, or sound or act like the typical accountant or the kind of vision of an accountant. But I do think the world is changing an accountant isn't Mm -hmm. someone who does the accounts anymore. They need to be someone who advises us what we should be doing, how we can get finance, what we need to do to pitch, how to package that pitch, how to um, uh, get the optimised output, how to reduce our tax outlay. and And it's the use of money that is becoming more important to businesses i think it's always been there but people are getting savvy to the fact that it isn't just someone who you give a bag of receipts uh, and they do the necessary it's someone who's a key part of your business
0: yeah so like when that kind of kicked off and i've seen that there's opportunity to add value elsewhere what i did was i set up wall for private and it took a few years to get regulated and we can probably just say uh, 2012 is when it really kicked off. All the clients came together under that umbrella, if you want to call yeah, it. Yeah. And since then, we've been helping business owners protect, accumulate, extract and retain wealth. And
1: and you, you can do that in which countries currently? In the, the Republic Europe of
0: Ireland. Or, right? um, or uh, we have that little thing up the north called the border. So a lot of our clients might live up the north, but will have a business down south. So there's certain things that we can do. It's quite limited, yeah. But there's certain things. So most of our clients are business owners in uh, the 26 counties of the Republic of Ireland. And
1: like BDO, would you would you be looking going forward to expand internationally and then sort of picking up the, 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 the Probably, accountancy regulations yeah. in different countries?
0: Yeah. So markets? we don't really do accounts anymore. Like uh, like I always chop it into the two sides of the brain. The accountancy stuff is obviously looking back at what happened. Right. The commercial side for me is the wealth management. Once you've
1: got the cash, that's it, what are we, we going to do with money? it?
0: And it's very easy. It's just, we'll hold it in short term, medium term, and long term money flows in tax efficient silos uh, to basically create intergenerational wealth. Um, and again, no matter what the client does or what industry they come from, it's applicable. It's not a, it's not a blueprint, but it's close to, it's just, what they want to do. We reverse engineer yeah. their life. We look at lifestyle planning, then we do the financial planning and then the advisory bit is just picking the return. So
1: this is your, your 11th year since you were
0: regulated. Yeah. Um, how's it all going? It's grand. Um, it's never perfect. Um, there's challenges. I think the biggest challenge any business have you're selling suites or selling airplanes is labor. Yeah, we just cannot get enough qualified... People with the right 10x mindset, I'm yeah. really passionate about the 10x mindset, and um, to deliver and to come and join the organisation.
1: So, for people who don't know what you mean when you say 10x mindset, explain that a little bit more. So, so tell us what that 10X is. 10x your-
0: big think and big action. So we like but this to, is
1: straight from Grant Cardone, and yeah, you've evolved that. Yeah,
0: I also did strategic coach with Dan Sullivan, um, mm-hmm. in uh, the states, and the, I used to come into London every quarter for it, um, and that was 10x as well, just at a zero, um, but. From that perspective, of always, uh, our culture inside is always to think bigger and do things different to what the competition would do, or to what oh, I hate the word ordinary people, but what the majority of people would do mm-hmm. within any particular sector, and not go the extra mile. And um, so that's what the 10x uh, culture is inside in the office. But we just cannot get enough people to scale as quick as the business is. And is, is
1: that because people that often have a legal financial mindset are more about safety than they are about kind of let's go for it let's do it
0: entirely right i'd say yeah but just in fact that's not there's nothing wrong with that either and um, but we find that in order for us to basically we have a lot of funnels out there from and introduces a business from different uh organizations and industry representative associations and um, and we could be doing probably 10 times the business, but just we don't have 10 times the labour, which is where AI and all that beautiful stuff is coming in that will not help us to cut costs because I don't believe in cutting costs where there's an opportunity to scale. So we're going to use AI as a growth mechanism um, to allow us to hire more people. But get Yeah, to where so be.
1: obviously AI has been a big conversation lately in lots of businesses I've been talking to. and mm. One of the things that I remember one of my old bosses and mentors saying was, if I look at a beautiful cabinet uh, and you will say, look at that beautiful cabinet, what what uh, tools do you think were necessary to build that cabinet? I say, well? yeah. you know, a saw, a plane, sandpaper, you know, all these different things. you say, okay, what built it, the tools or the craftsman kind mm. of thing? Yeah. Uh, and, of course, the answer is, the, you yeah. know, you can have the best tools in the hands of a bad craftsman yeah. or average tools in the hands of an amazing craftsman, it's down to how you use those tools. And I think AI is a tool, it's not the craftsman. No, not uh, although it's getting, it's doing more work than maybe other tools used to do in the past, yeah. I think. So it, it it is interesting. But to me, you you know, what you're talking about, and it may be slightly behaviorally limiting in, in a finance world to find those um, people that can think 10x or 100x yeah. and so on. But businesses all over the world now are struggling to get great people, yeah. and so one of the things that we focus on, and we're doing a conference in September at Burley, and then uh, building on from there, is how to attract, train, motivate, and retain great people, because building winning teams is important to everybody, yeah. you know, and it's more important the smaller your team. If you've got a thousand people, t- ten of them can leave; it ain't going to be a problem, you yeah. know. If you've got ten people and two of them leave, you're probably starting yeah. to struggle because you know you you haven't got the Capacity to take prisoners or carry people Yeah um, So tell me then about the The Wealth Summit because That was how we first started talking yeah. So we've, we've gone from Accountancy and, and consultancy around that And property um, Advisory and purchasing and so on We've evolved into Wolfed Private Which is about helping people once they got the money To keep the money, to grow the money uh, yeah. And so on, but more recently uh, What we're seeing from you On social is What is, um, Around uh
0: the summits. You've had yeah, your first one, tell us about that. Yes, yeah, so we've had we've been running these since well before COVID, but in a different guise, kinda of smaller, more intimate. But to put a the rent a room out for ten thousand euros and put two people in, you might as well put two hundred in or two thousand people in. and um, so again, that's a ten X thing kicking in there. So uh we this year with COVID on the back of it, we did one in the Shelburne Hotel, you know, Graven Street yeah. just yeah. off it. And um, so we did one there, we had a hundred and odd uh, entrepreneurs, business owners in. And um, then we said, feck it, we'll have a go at it again. We did 250 in May May the 11th in the Western Hotel, again in Dublin city centre. And um, we had Irish uh, influencers um, from business perspective there. So we had Suzanne Jackson, she uh, fabulous story. She's turned 20 million now. Um, Basically, started off on Instagram or Facebook back in the day um, and has built a makeup empire and right. um, manufacturing our own stuff, just a brilliant mindset. Um we'd Ivan Yates, he was the bankrupt bookie, we call him. Um, and he was MC, he's a uh, broadcaster, he had a fantastic business. Um, and again, just didn't pivot quick enough when Paddy Power was going online, he was opening more shops. So right. uh, that one, then we had economists in and whatnot. So we've always been planning for a long time. Again, I told you my father passed away, uh, that kind of decelerated things, then COVID kicked in. Um, but we'd always plan to get into the likes of the RDS in Dublin, which is the Royal Dublin Society. As I said earlier on, it's a little bit like the NEC. It's a big, there's yeah. football stadiums, yeah. uh, sort of rugby stadiums, uh, horse show is held there. And then there's all these big, massive halls. Okay, So um, we're planning on bringing at least a 1,000 people in November, um, the 15th in Dublin. Um, we have Stephen Bartlett there. Um We've got a gentleman by the name of Mike Green, um, <laughs> who we all love. Like uh, both, right? that's it. And then we have Mandy Hickson, and Mandy's an RAF tornado pilot. And um, seen her speaking at another summit in Dublin that was more growth orientated. Um, and she's just fantastic, I became friends with her. So she's got a cracking story and um, she's coming over. Then we're gonna add one or two more speakers in. Um, and then we're gonna put the finance bid in. Yeah, And the finance bit in is where people kind of who are in business, who are self-employed entrepreneurs, business owners. It's where all the bullshit of finance is taken out and they get the black and white. So like most people get in, they worry about getting desks when they open up a business and whatnot. Mm. They should be planning their exit strategy. So like, first of all, we'll start the day on exit strategies and then reverse engineer that back into the day-to-day stuff like building the legacy plan and a wealth plan through the likes of all for private. Um, We'll also have corporate finance people there. We'll have mergers and acquisition people. Um, everything that people have heard about, oh, private equity have heard about that, or venture capitalists, they'll all be there speaking mm-hmm. um, about their offering that's there. Um, we've been approached through well for private by private equity to buy us out, but we feel that we have too much to give, too much energy, that hyperactivity is there. Why pass the book back to somebody? It's not about money for me. Like, money is only a tool to live your life, but you can live your life with, small enough of the money and have a lesser lifestyle just that i have this goal of getting well private to a billion under management right, right. and we're going to do it and um, not by uh copping out early on and someone giving us money and for us doing it on their behalf for us to do it for ourselves hope you're enjoying Success is a System. Every Tuesday, we
1: launch it on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Drop us a note and tell us who you would like to see or hear on Success is a System or what subjects you'd like us to cover to help you and your business. Success is a System, like, subscribe, and make sure you get it every Tuesday for great lessons and systems that have made people wealthy, healthy, and successful. No, that's great. And so if I'm... A delegate coming along. I
0: yeah, mean, I'm going to speak there. Yeah.
1: But what what would be the three or four hooks that you would say as to this is why
0: you need to be there? Yeah. So I've got to summits, yeah. uh, summits all around the world. That's it, of course. Yeah, I've got to summits all around the world because I love them. I just love the education, the knowledge. Some of the lads that you mentor have been at stuff with them, and yeah. I've been at uh, other things where I've met people along the way. And what I find about a lot of these conferences and summits and whatever you want to call them, grow cons. There's absolutely zero accountability when you come out with them. So there's one that's ran in Dublin. and um, It's brilliant. I go every year, everyone, like we've had Tony Robbins there. Um, but when you come out of there, there's nothing for 363 more days, right? Yeah. Um, so basically what happens is with the Wealth Summit, it's actually giving people a critical path to financial independence yeah, yeah, or yeah. scale up because once they leave the summit, they're going to have masterclasses, boot camps, and wealth plans built by Wealth for Private Button. So
1: so that's the sort of start of the journey almost rather yeah. than a, uh, an end in its
0: own right. That's sort of. it. Yeah. So it's education, networking yeah. and accountability. But what we actually give people is a thing called the future map. Yeah. And that's basically where people might be at the intersection of startup scale up or exit wanting to know what to do. We basically give them a bespoke wealth plan, through wealth, and yeah, private for right. himself.
1: Well, not, not just a financial basis, but this is sort of what we do here with my transition mapping. So it's saying, okay, if we're going to do a, a, a day, a couple of days, and we've got different approaches to it, but or if I mentor individually, we're going to look at where are you today? No holds barred. Don't give me the bullshit. Tell me the truth. Because if you tell me, you know, if you treat me like a doctor, and I, I am a doctor of education, but if you te- treat me like a, a medical doctor and you give me the wrong symptoms or you exaggerate up or down your symptoms, I'm going to give you the wrong medicine. That yeah. that is fatal in some cases. Now it might not be fatal in a mental sense, but it might be. It might kill your business. It might yeah. kill your finances. Because if I think you're somewhere you're not, I'm going to give you the wrong one. But once we establish this is where they are, this is where they want to go, we can say, okay, what do we need to do with? to get from here to there in terms of people? What do we need to do to get from here to there financially? What do we need, need to do to get from here to there in terms of legal and what do we need to do in terms of sales and marketing and operation yeah. and so on? And the aim being that when people leave, and it sounds like we're, we're, that's where we have a commonality, they have a clear plan. Yeah. They're not just leaving buzzed up, they're leaving with the notes, the tools,
0: the, the map if you like, yeah. that they need to follow to get there. And that's it like, and I just really believe I've spent, and look, everybody who's on any podcast goes, I've spent hundreds of thousands on education. I genuinely had, or I have, because I hadn't a bloody clue about any of this stuff. You go to college, you come out of it, you've got your thing on the wall, back in Mammy's sitting room and uh, mm-hmm. that you went to college and you've got this, it means absolutely feck all. So what we've uh, really powered ourselves through, and especially through my brother, Eddie, who is a COO at home, he's the educator. Right. I'm the innovator. He's the educator. So it works hand in hand and we pass it back to our team of 40 who operate within Walford Private um, to give those people accountability and a critical uh, financial map.
1: Yeah, great. And I think I like that educator innovator because one of the things that often is a criticism of schools is that, you know, what's the cliche saying? It's not fair on a lot of teachers, but it is those who can't teach Mm. kind of thing. So there is that criticism. But people, if they can see that, there's people out there that they could follow that have actually done and you can get that wonderful marriage of education, implementation, motivation, where you bring it all together into a plan, that's when it delivers and to me, I'm very passionate about education I'm a doctor of education awarded by Anglia Ruskin for what I've done with schools and universities so much as I went to a shit school, For me, I realized it was holding me back. Now, it didn't stop me achieving what I wanted to achieve, but it probably took me 10 years longer. Mm. And it probably meant I had to work harder. Whereas to me, if I can have that kind of work ethic, that guttural drive, that desire to be different, and I can overlay that with education, you become unstoppable. So it's the two together. So education on its own, I always think of, uh, because I do a fair bit in construction, as the foundation. You know, on if you get a good base of education, you can build anything on it. Yeah. If you don't, you might have a shaky building above it. Yeah. But education isn't just about the academia; it's what you can learn at any point in your life once you decide to. But um, it's important, and it sounds like you agree uh, that people invest in that education 100%. and continue to throughout their life. You know, yeah. you're never too old to learn. Every every day's a school day.
0: Kind yeah. Of thing. So, like the amount of entrepreneurs and business owners that we deal with, like we've over three thousand um, in our uh, network, if you want to call it that, we'd represent. A lot of them will come in and say, oh, but I don't know what you had told me 20 years ago and whatnot. And that's why we bring it back into a systemized and like a lot of people don't like acronyms, but we call it REAP. So mm-hmm. if we protect, we accumulate, extract and retain, that compounds what you said about building the foundation, even in the construction side. So like when clients come to us, they're all like, I've seen your stuff. I like what you do. It's delivered a little bit different. It's quirky, it's sexy for finance. It's a bit disruptive, um, but I like it. Um, how can I have involvement? Um, so what we say is... Before we worry about investment returns or holding money in tax-efficient silos, we want you to focus on protecting what you've yeah.
1: built. Well, let's go through those one at a time because I think people do like acronyms. And also, from your point of view, we can probably create a little one-minute short on each of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, so tell us again what REAP is so and then give us a minute on each of them if you had to summarise each yeah, of yeah So REAP
0: ones. is a centralised wealth management system where we protect, we accumulate, we extract, and we retain wealth. On the protection side... Is where we future proof your personal and business balance sheet against the unwanted and unexpected so in simple terms we tell people to get the protection right that when things or the shit hits the fan that you've protected the legacy and once that's protected you can start building your so empire is that after. like
1: trusts and it and would be life. trust
0: It could be answered it could be the basic life cover, right it could be tax-efficient right. life cover that people like go hey yeah. paying tax uh, don't need life cover." but yeah. when you tell them that they can have life cover in a tax-efficient way it's called Relevant Life in the UK. It's called Pension Term in Ireland. Uh, it basically makes sense for them. Yeah. So just yeah. little wins like this. Uh, so like what we always say to people when we're protecting wealth, the biggest wins in wealth management aren't from investment returns exclusively. It's from tax efficient, holding yeah. up the monies in whatever structure.
1: Well, and interestingly, I've done a lot um, when I did Secret Millionaire for if, a few years after, every couple of months, we'd meet up, some of us, all of us, there'd be things like Coot's Bank, would do a dinner and, yeah. and so on, you go along. And as a behavioural profiler, I couldn't stop myself from thinking, is it about men versus women? Is it about educated versus uneducated? Yeah. Is it young? Is it old? Is it this culture, that culture, this background, that background? All these things. All I could find was was it was about the passion. But... What I also learned from that and then mentoring that I did over time is that about, and this is a rough number, but I think most entrepreneurs who get an exit or a big payout yeah. probably piss 70% of it up yeah. and lose it. Yeah. And so that protect, I think, is really, really important to say almost before you spend, hang on, a bit like if you're going to develop a house live in it for a month or two first before you spend anything or do anything. You know, don't just go out and buy the Ferrari, buy this, buy that, because, you know, I know we, we both know Rob Moore, you know, Rob will talk about why would you put four hundred thousand into a Ferrari when you could buy a with couple of houses, houses with a four hundred thousand and put thirty into it yeah. and get a lease on it, yeah. uh, and then you Refer, know your, your, your rent on your houses is going to pay for your lease on your Ferrari. Yeah. So then you've got a capital and you have got a Ferrari yeah. kind of thing. So that that protects Just different. Us different crucial, it's, so. it's
0: not what people are doing when we meet them. That's wrong. It's how they're doing it. So that yes, com- exactly. that compounds what Rob says there.
1: So uh, uh, and it, and it, that's I guess what. Birds of a feather flock together. So the commonality draws us together and we find yeah. each other on, on socials and so yeah. on. But n- move me on from so we've protected, we've given them some tools and some advice around protection. Uh, what what in a minute, what what's accumulated? So with money?
0: accumulation, that's where we basically open up money flows and cash flows, because if you don't have cash flows, you'll end up on the dole, you'll shoot your business, it'd be gone, right? So we break it into short term, medium term, and long-term money flows, but put the correct tax structures around these to make sure that, again, if we go back down the retirement account route, everybody thinks you can only get your pension at 65, but we can, if we're strategic in our approach and the business has a shelf life. We can yeah. roll the accumulation into the extraction and hack a pension at fifty in the, the Republic of Ireland. Or
1: lend lend the business money from the pension. Or, and well, so. that's it.
0: Like in the UK, you have SIPS, yeah, yeah. but you can't buy residential property, or you can. It, it's hard. There's a, a gentleman by yeah. name of Hadley that does it very well, not too far from here. And um, but in Ireland, and um, we're allowed buy resi, okay. But like when we go meet business owners, are like, well, oh, property, I hate it. Why? tax and tenants, right? I said, how would you buy the property? In my own name, right? So you're paying tax. Why would you not buy it in your retirement account? And like, I didn't know I could do it. You can do it through a SIP in Ireland.
1: So we've gone from protect to accumulate. And you said you're rolling that sometimes into extractions. You can pull some out early maybe or or tax efficiently. uh, And then the retain bit. So just on the the extraction bit,
0: for business owners, we might make them chop their uh, business offering up into different companies. Because again, one part of the process could be bought out by private equity, and if they do that, they can get the likes of entrepreneur relief. Okay, yeah. and is
1: that 10% in Ireland? So yeah, it's a million at 10%.
0: Uh, I think it was 10 million over here, Boris. Yeah, exactly well, when yeah. I saw it, it was up to 20 million. <laughs> yeah. but, was it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy days, yeah, So a million back home at the moment. Um, and then that rolls into retention. So that's a legacy control, intergenerational wealth transfer, trusts, um, and then it could even, like, they're all interlinked. No one part of REAP is standalone. So, mm-hmm. like, the retention site could actually. Look, you becoming a tax tourist and retiring your pension out to Portugal to avail of the non-habitual residency program. Okay, so it's a it's a ten percent tax on your. And rent. you're
1: constantly, I guess, up, updating your um, members, delegates, whatever you might yeah, yeah. call them, on the changes every year in taxation yeah, or 100. law. And so, look,
0: it's moving that quick at the moment. I don't know why, but there's changes to all these. Like there was the Golden Visa in Portugal. A lot of our clients. International clients that would have uh, might have had a European passport, and um, they were all available of this thing um, in Portugal, but it's not available to the magnitude that it was. So yeah. then it pivots back and it goes and pulling their retirement accounts down in Portugal, but just very quickly. On it, if they pull their retirement account down to Portugal, not Ireland. They can accelerate their financial independence to retire early or get to that work optional stage of life, for maybe ten or twelve years. Uh, okay, that's interesting. And then retention Attention. again. I kind of hit it on it there. It's just making sure that we're nothing's sure in life, but we do know that we get hit with taxes and debt, right? So when we blend the two of them together, you don't want to get debt taxes. So yeah. there's ways that you can set up family partnerships. I don't know if you have them over here to the same magnitude, uh, legacy uh, trusts and whatnot, and um, section 72 release back home where we make sure that uh, you don't have to give all your money to the taxman when you're gone that you can actually avail of these estate protection trusts to make sure that the family keep the money or charity um, or else you can just give it to the taxman.
1: Well, and and trusts will do a bunch of that. But that that brings me back to um, when we're talking about um, wealth, private wealth and so on, often people think of that as, right, that's for people who have sold out, sold a house, inherited some money, got the wealth. But actually one of the things I was always conscious of is no, that shit has to start long before you get the wealth because yeah, yeah. you want to be planning towards it whilst you're building a business, whilst you're building that that yeah. up. And similarly, when I had Ian Brent on who was talking about how to 10x uh, an EBITDA business as opposed to the average in the UK yeah. 3.9, it was about what are the different things you need to do. But more importantly, you said, if you want to optimise the exit multiple, you need to start three years out. Mm-hmm. So Easy. from your um, private wealth and wealth summit and so on, do you do people get involved, or do you urge, or would you recommend people to be talking to you, even if they're building a business, they've maybe got a lot of wealth now, but they're working towards a plan to have that in three years? When would when would be the good time?
0: Yeah, so be- the avatar of our average client is uh, they're forty five years of age, they've worked around the houses, and they said, oh, "I can do that better." Like us all, right? Um, and they go out and have a go at their own, right? It's probably at that stage. So, sorry, we have 30-year-olds with these tech whiz kids that yeah. do all the AI stuff, right? They're brilliant. I they love them. I wish I was one of them, right? Um, but the average uh, majority, I hate the word average, uh, being 45, right? And um, As I said, they'll run out and they'll plan on the fit out of the uh, military planning on the fit out of the office block and whatnot when they set up. They need to be military on the exit plan because yeah. if you know what the exit looks like, what's the end in mind? Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you can just reverse engineer that. Peel the process back yeah. to what, and what you need to do is sell many salespeople you need, or many processing people. So to answer your question, the short, you should approach whoever your wealth advisor is as early on in your business planning process. In my opinion, because again, it can dictate what how many limited companies you'll hold um, and yeah, the yeah, basically yeah. avail of extraction.
1: Yeah, I mean, I call my uh, my approach for 20 years transition mapping or transformation mapping. Mapping is the key word in it. And, you know, the three areas I talk about is, you know, you're conscious, you've got a subconscious, but a lot of people aren't necessarily aware of the creative subconscious. Now, the creative subconscious is often called the taxi driver, because when you get in a taxi, the first question they ask you, where do you want to go? Yeah. Um, similarly, if you were driving here today, you, you had a driver. But if you were driving here, you would think, shit, I'm in a different country. I don't know where I'm going. You'd probably want a sat-nav. Yeah. And, it, and you'd want to put a postcode in rather than just Peterborough or North yeah. or anything. So what I often say to people is we need to program your taxi driver, your creative subconscious, uh, to be a very efficient, effective, and direct route. But we also need you to get the destination, which is exactly where do you want to be? What is your goal? Is it to have a million pounds? Is it to uh, change the world? Is it to lose two stone? Is it all of these things? But we get in those goals, and the more specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and timed, smart they are, yeah. uh, the more we've got that postcode. And then a mentor, in effect, uh, becomes the the, the nav so, you know, create a subconscious that tells you uh, and focuses you on doing it. The taxi driver will get you there. And often a mentor will be the vehicle that will make sure that you keep focused uh, on that journey and don't get yep. too easily distracted. But all of those things are really important. But it all starts in many, when you, whether you're talking in Covey terms or, or most of the business gurus of the last hundred years is where do you want to be? Yep. What's the end
0: in mind? Yeah, and yeah, I don't think that sure. one mentor will give you that either. So, um, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I've got a mentor. His name's Tony Gordon, and he's the ex-president uh, of the LIA in the UK. It's based out in Bristol, so we're flying to him once a quarter. Um, but he's also the first non-American president of what's called the Million Dollar Roundtable, okay. um, which is the premier association for finance professionals in the world, like so, CFP planners and whatnot. Um, and... Again, I go over there. I'm actually going to Nashville next week. Um, on that, I've spoke at it in front of 14,000 people in Orlando before. Um, I'm out there in Nashville next week um, just, again, to learn from people who do it a different way. It's all the same stuff, but it's yeah, the way they yeah, do yeah. it in different jurisdictions under legislation that permits around the world. But again, it you like to go to see the likes of yourself uh, on the scale up and the different aspects from your mistakes that you made because we all make mistakes and then going to see Tony, Tony's in his uh, 70s now, he's done it all in finance, he's seen it all, it's just great to go and bounce, even just go back to the basics, you know?
1: Well, and I think, we, we need different teachers. We've talked about yep. that in, in terms of at school, you don't have one, you have several because yep. they've they, they got skills in different areas. But equally, I think at different stages, you know, you might need a primary school teacher, then a, a secondary school teacher and then a university lecturer yep. or, or, or expert or professor in a certain subject. And, you know, I often use the example of, uh, say, David Beckham on football when he was at Sunday league, the coach he had, the manager he had would have been perfect for what he needed at that time. They taught him all the skills he needed to get recognized and move up to the next league as it were. Yep. And when, when he moved, he just accepted that that same mentor and coach that he had in Sunday league wasn't the right one for this one. Yep. And, and it goes on through the leagues and, uh, and I say to people, you know, I've built business, I've helped people build business up, up to sort of tens and hundreds of millions, and I've been part of that journey, so I can kind of teach you that stuff. I've never taken anyone or worked with anyone that I've helped yeah. who's a billionaire. I've heard and listened to and learned from some, but I can't take you on that journey. So if for instance, someone's goal is to be a billionaire, I say, I can take you this part. Yeah, I can help you with the Sunday league. I can help you with the next league. Or yeah. if it was driving, I could help you with go-kart and I could help you with Formula Renault. I can help you with Formula 4, 3 and 2 maybe. But when it comes to Formula 1, you need a new mentor, yeah, a new absolutely. manager, yeah. a new coach. And so accepting that we don't, it's not disloyal to move on from a particular teacher or learner. In mm. fact, it's necessary. And actually, if they're a good teacher, learner, mentor, yeah. they will be saying to you, you need to move on now. You know, I wish you luck and we've become mates, but now yeah. it's time Your to... Your
0: network to changes it. at different stages in life and career. Like, yeah. if you look at the lads you were in school, but back in the day, a lot of them probably aren't around at the moment to the way they were in the past. Just they moved on to different things in their life. It's the same with mentors. Like, I've had probably three or four now. Um, and I always come outside of the jurisdiction I'm in to learn the way people might be doing it in a more progressive way yeah. elsewhere. Mm-hmm. That's why I've gone to America, I've gone to Canada, and I'm in the UK as well, so uh, Australia's a bit too far. So We're getting there, yeah, Why well, used have a business in Australia, it's a long way to
1: go, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but a beautiful place. So left school, hyperactive, done various careers, found your niche, working your niche, growing your niche, scaling your niche, got a few systems uh, that you teach others, so we talked about REAP, Yeah. And the detail uh, of that protect, accumulate, extract, retain. What other systems, if there's two or three systems that you say are what you use to keep you grounded, keep you focused, keep you motivated, or have been responsible for your success to date, what are the systems that you think are necessary for success?
0: Great question. So, like the systems that have helped me is having the right team around. I know I'm a terrible person at minor detail. That's probably come from the hyperactivity stuff. Looking at the looking at it from a high air balloon, and um, so basically known when you're bad at something. I believe in a thing called the unique ability. Uh, Dan Sullivan taught us that um, as strategic coach, and it's whereby you can't be good at everything, uh, so you might as well focus on the two or three things that you're good at and hire the people that are experts at it, and um, so you can focus on what you're good at because they're probably not good at what you're good at. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just known when to hire the right team. Um, what else has helped us the whole 10x mentality Uh, think big take big action Um, set the goals 10 times higher than what the average person in your industry might take and take about the action levels that will help you achieve that and then after that is for me the mentor world Um, like why the hell would you waste time when you can hire somebody who's wasted that time on your behalf right and that's with the best respect in the world. Hopefully I'll be spared in the world for 40 more years or whatever it might be. And people come to me wanting to learn. There's no point in other people taking the hit on the time. So I think to summarize, uh, Mentors 10X and team... Yeah, it's no, probably the system. I processes. think
1: that's three great simple areas for somebody to focus on, and uh, thank you for that. I mean, just on, on that uh, and, and a little analogies in my mind help me lock in when people give me uh, good hooks and, and lessons and so on. Is on the team thing. I don't know if you know the story of Henry Ford when he was sued by the uh, New York Times. Uh, sorry, when he, the New York Times called him stupid and he sued them. Do you know? No, no I've not. so Henry Ford. Let's call it fourteen. Couldn't read, write you know, built a multi, multi-billion pound yeah. uh, business with Ford Motor Company that has sustained over a hundred years now. But the New York Times called him stupid in the 30s, 1930s, uh and so he sued them and uh he represented himself in court. Uh and so in their defense they said, couldn't read, couldn't write, let's call it 14. De facto he is stupid. Uh, and he, then he took in a copy of a box that he had on his desk. It was uh, not much, it was smaller than a four and it had six buttons on it. Uh, and he said, I may have left school at 14 I maybe can't read right in the way that to, or to the extreme extent that you guys can but let me tell you this is a copy of a, uh, of a box I have in my office and of course it was wired as opposed to Wi-Fi but he said if I press that button one of the best brains in America financially comes into my office within 10 minutes if I press that button one of the best engineers in the world will be in my office within 10 minutes if I press that button one of the best sales in America will be in my office in 10 minutes and he said my knowledge my expertise is knowing my limitations to the extent that I'll find the best possible people to, to build that team yeah. uh, uh, and and to help me achieve what I need to achieve. So, yeah. great example. And, and similarly, um, uh, Bill Gates, uh, no, Steve Jobs, I think it was, when he was asked, uh, uh, it, no, it was Bill Gates. Let me get myself right here. Someone said to him once, so what exactly do you do? You're not a programmer. And he said, well, I may not be able to uh, play any of those instruments as well as all those people that I employ. He said, but I'm like the conductor. And when I pull that together and I conduct them, we create beautiful things like a conductor can from individual um, instruments. So that unique ability, but recognising, I think the worst thing people can have is so much ability that they don't see their lack of their own ability to believe that they can find people with better ability in any particular skill set.
0: That's it. Like I was coming across on the plane there today and like we've a lot of professional services clients that we look after. Consultants. Hospital consultants. GPs. <laughs> dentists. Pharmacists. Uh, and my favourite type of client is the hustler the entrepreneur that went against the toy idea. Yeah, love looking after them people. Um, but there's something that came up there that I was researching over the last couple of days and it was like they don't in medical school they don't teach it about EBITDA in, me, in pharmacy school they don't teach it about accountancy for argument's yeah. sake or in engineering they don't te- teach it about private equity which is true yeah. but people as educated as they are still think they can do it themselves and it's only when they come across somebody like yourself on mentorship or ourselves on financial planning that we can accelerate all the things that they've always dreamt of a lot quicker yeah. by, by them outsourcing.
1: Well, we expand their thinking. I guess, yeah. and and that may not be down to us. We might just be the the catalyst that takes the skill that we hear from uh, Grant Cardone or, yeah, or, yeah. or or Dan Sullivan and so, on, and we share that. So we expand their mind. And I love the saying that once a uh, unlike an elastic band, once a, a mind is expanded, it, it expanded, it can never regain its original dimensions. Yeah. You know, elastic band it'll ping back, but your mind won't, won't once yeah, it's expanded. Yeah. Um so uh and on the 10x thing, I believed as a behavioural profiler that the only reason people don't think big, dream big, plan big, is because they're scared of being embarrassed. Yeah. Uh and actually I'd be more embarrassed uh achieving a small goal than them failing on a
0: massive hairy ass goal. Yeah, we set massive goals we do um inside and personally as well. Don't always get them, but there's a thing called the gap. And once you're hitting 80 or 90% of those, just roll forward, stay positive, work smarter, maybe not harder, um, to make sure you get 100% the next time. And you won't, Yeah. but you need to keep ha- having a go. Well,
1: it's been great. I look forward to uh, coming over to the World Summit on the 15th of November. That's great. I uh, as forward, I said, don't. we'll put the link in there. I really appreciate your time. Hope you've enjoyed. Lots to th- lots to go through. I often recommend when we get you get these podcasts. The beauty of podcasting is you can listen again and again. You can speed it up if you want to hear us faster. You can slow it down if you want to hear something again. Uh, and that's a good way to consume on Audible, Spotify, uh, or any of the podcast channels. Uh, thank you very much for your time, Richie. Thanks. So uh, if you've enjoyed, please share, subscribe, like, and we look forward to seeing you again next week on success is a system.